Father, in this place this morning, someone came, what I believe, for a makeover, a new beginning. You said this morning, a new beginning, a fresh start. Someone came this morning, oh God, for a fresh start. Now, Father, wipe away the old, wipe away that which has lost its time, wipe away that which has overextended itself. Wipe away, amen, stuff that has come to hinder and to stop. Even now, God, cleanse the, the, the place where the enemy has taken refuge. Let your truth prevail, that your name be glorified. Now, God, have your way as I condescend. Use me for your glory. Use me. For your glory. Ah, Takushi. Mandrose, For your glory. And God will ever worship and praise you and lift up your holy name in this place. Because you are holy. My God, you are holy. And there is no one like our God. There is no one like our God. Hallelujah. Now, God, we lift up a praise in the atmosphere. We lift up a praise in the atmosphere. Now, speak to us, oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, clap your hands like you've lost your mind and give God a praise. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Let everything, everybody that has breath praise Him. Come on, praise Him. Praise him. Praise our God. He's King of Kings and He's Lord of Lords and He is worthy of the praise. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Come on, say hallelujah. Come on, say hallelujah. Hallelujah. We give you the glory, oh God. We give you the praise, Jesus. Hallelujah. You are worthy of the praise. 
God in this place. There's an anointing for healing in the atmosphere. There's a breakthrough anointing in the atmosphere. I feel him in the room. There's a miracle in the atmosphere. Chains are being broken. Chains are being broken. Fetters are being broken. Come on. Deliverance is in the room. Hallelujah. And we give you praise and all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you do have your Bible, lift your Bibles up. Just lift your Bibles up. If you have a cell phone, it's free. You can download your Bible on your cell phone. You ought to have a Bible with you. Amen. And repeat after me. This is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. And because I am a hearer and a doer of the word, I am supernaturally blessed and I walk in favor. My God. Take your seat. Take your seat. The Lord spoke to me this morning on my way to church. And he said, new beginning. New beginning. New beginning. And, and some of you all are going to go through a makeover. Uh, the, the Lord said, fresh start. Fresh start. Uh, I believe that um, many of you are going to leave today and you're going to leave a new person. Fresh start. New beginning. Amen. He's about to make over someone on your role. If that's you, I want you to give God a praise. If that's you. If that's you. I want you to give the Lord a praise. If, that, if that's you and you came expecting a makeover. I want you to give God a praise. You can't see it right now. I want you to praise like it's already done. Ooh. Come on, praise it like it's already done. It's already done. Already. I, I need about three of y'all on every row. At least three people on every row. I want you to take charge of your world and say, that's for me. Come on, tell your neighbor, that's for me. That's for me. Tell him it's my breakthrough time. It's my healing time. Prophesy, tell him it's my deliverance time. Tell him, tell him it is my season. Tell him it is my time. Come on, say it. Say it. You gotta say if you can't say it, you can't have it. Say it. Say it. Say it. It's my time. It's my breakthrough season. I feel like dancing. It's my breakthrough season. I can see the cloud the size of a man's head. It's my breakthrough season. It's my, I waited. I endured. I stood. It's my season. I need you to high five three folk. Tell them it's my time. It's my time. High five three folk and tell them. Come on, young folk. High five three folk and tell them it's my time. Tell them it's not my fault. It's just my time. 
It's my time. It's my time. It's my season. Now put a praise on it. Now put a praise on it. Hey, I'm birthing something. I'm producing something. I'm about to release some things in my atmosphere. anointed and you know you anointed I want you to take charge of the atmosphere if you anointed and you know you anointed I want you to take charge of the atmosphere you know you anointed all the hell you've been through and you still here you've got to be anointed Cause he knows you anointed But I shall not die But live To declare The works of the Lord Thank you. 
Ghost in the house. Holy Ghost in the house. Get the, the brothers, you know the Lord's in house when the men getting their praise on. When the brothers are dancing, there's something going on up in here. Ah! Hey! This a victory shout. This a victory praise. This a warfare praise. Hey! Hey! This a warfare praise. This is a warfare praise. the deliverance in my family in my finances my, 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 my. God bless you be seated be seated the Lord's presence y'all done, y'all done lost y'all mind up in here up in here hallelujah God bless you be seated if you can be seated if you can we have guests in the house and, and they might think that y'all lost y'all mind. But when I think of the goodness of Jesus. Ooh. Oh yeah. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. We got to get out of here. God will get a praise out of you. God bless you. Be seated in the Lord's presence. We will do our very best to get y'all out of here so the powers can get on the highway by next Sunday. Amen. God bless you. Be seated in the Lord's presence. We thank God for those who are watching us 
from all over the world. Somebody came today to this place of worship because God has has uh, has made a way for you. He wanted you to be here, and Satan fought you on every hand to keep you from getting to this place. But to know, know that the Lord is with you. I want to very quickly talk about Elijah and. Uh, the theme for this particular series is putting the power of the prophet in your life. And I, I, I uh, have traveled the country and I've gone to places and ministries, have done exploits and community development and a uh, number of things. And, and uh, as a young pastor, even a young preacher, I would say to God, uh, I want to be like that. I want to experience you like that. Uh, I want to walk in that type of favor. Uh, I want to experience the level of humility and all that I would see, and I would want to uh, be a part of that. And as I look at the uh, lesson today, uh, and let me pause uh, as I look at my clock. My clock says 1238. Um, is that all the time I have left? I know they didn't shout it and praise God for t uh, 20 minutes, and it's just not fair to me that I have to be limited in my disposition because uh, y'all done took up all my time to teach and preach, so... Um, you know, I mean, I want my time. Thank you. <laughs> amen. Amen. At any rate, uh, just wanting to uh, experience God in a way that I've witnessed other folks experience the Lord. And so I've been on this journey and I'm yet in that mode of expectancy. As we talk about uh, Elijah putting the power of the prophet into your life in the sub thing, as I said this morning, is uh, hear God's story. God is the focus of our lives. Any attempt to disregard or to disconnect or to disassociate uh, God from your story, your life changes the narrative. Any effort on your part, my part, to exclude God from the process is a miscalculation. Because inevitably, uh, the story is about him, and it's not about us. So I want to um, talk about a lesson about encouragement. Now, this is going to be uh, therapeutic. It is going to be uh, life-changing. It is going to um, be a time for many of you where you're going to get your strength back. You're going to get your joy back. Uh, you're going to get your peace back. And so as I talk about a lesson about encouragement, I want to start out with uh, 1 Kings chapter nine, uh, 19, rather verse 1 and 2. And once again, I will expedite the process. But he says in 1 Kings, uh, the writer says, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. Many, but he says, may the gods strike me. And even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. He said, uh, he, he, the Bible says that Jezebel sent a message to Elijah. Um, and the message in essence was, Elijah, I have put a hit out on you. And by this time tomorrow... If the plans go as I, as I have planned for them to go, you'll be a dead man. 
And the, the, the thought here, you got to think about it in terms of who is the person that is uh, declaring what's going to happen to the man of God. And so I want to just very quickly give you just a synopsis of the Jezebel spirit, just very quickly. Uh, the spirit of Jezebel, in noted in history, is a very cunning and seductive spirit. Um, the word seductive or seduction means to be led astray. Uh, this spiritual stronghold um, will, will lead you away from God, lead you away from your calling, uh, will seduce you, uh, whether physically, whether emotionally, uh, whether psychologically. It could be a sexual a seduction. It could be an emotional seduction. Once again, the Jezebel spirit is not a, a gender, uh, is not gender sensitive. It's a spirit. Uh, this high-level evil spirit has been responsible for tearing down many churches, pastors, people with prophetic ministries, and other ministries. Not only that, the Jezebel spirit has also been responsible for breaking up many marriages, many friendships, and many families. Uh, once again, this spirit is a seducing spirit. And so when Jezebel declares to the prophet, uh, that uh, by this time tomorrow, you're going to be a dead man. She was being controlled by an evil spirit. So the Bible says, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Bathsheba, uh, a town in Judah, and he left his servants there. Then he went alone, uh, went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. And he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die and he's the bible says he might die and have uh, he says to god i have had enough he said i have had enough lord he said take my life for i am uh, no better than many ancestors who have already died now here's the point i want to make and I'll, I'll be quick uh the bible says in, in in this text here the scripture says that he had come to a place where he had was literally ready to die the question is the question is, how can a man go from the pinnacle to the pit? How can one go from such a lofty position, so to speak, or a moment of enthusiasm and a moment of excitement? How can you be profound in one instance and pitiful in another? How can you do exploits at the same time shift from being a person of exploit and being taken advantage of. How can you be so spiritual in one sense that on the other end of the spectrum, you find yourself just as wayward and confused as someone who don't know Jesus? Uh, Tony Evans says, because the enemy showed up. Because the devil showed up. And, and, and what, what really got me here was that he said to God, take my life. He said to God, I don't want to live. I don't want to live. Uh, and I'm ready to die. This woman has declared, I'm going to die. And, and so just take me out, God. And the Bible said that he, that he felt like he, he wanted to give up. It, have you ever felt or have been in a place in your life and you say, I've had enough? Have you said to God, I can't take no more? I can't endure any longer. I, I, I just want to just die. I don't, want, I don't want this marriage any longer. I don't want uh, my family any longer. I, don't, I can't take it anymore. I just want to give up. So Elijah was at this place. He was ready to give up. 
He's ready to just throw the towel. And often we fail to realize that Christians are human. I know people sometimes look at us and they say, and you supposed to be a Christian. You supposed to be anointed. You supposed to be strong. You you're supposed to be able to handle situations. You you're supposed to know better now. We do, we know, we know all of that. But sometimes we're not at our best. Why? Because we're human. Can I talk to somebody today? I want to talk about encouragement. Encouragement. Let me read. Ray Johnson says, a huge life principle I have learned. The hard way is that discouragement precedes destruction. I cannot find anything that has been destroyed without discouragement being the underlying cause. I did a little word search, rather, and I want to uh, talk about uh, encouragement. When you, <coughs> when you add the prefix en to courage, uh, en, the prefix en uh, suggests to be in the place or the condition. It means to be in the place. It literally suggests that, that you are the, you're in the condition of a situation. So case in point, uh, courage is defined as the ability to face danger. The ability to face danger, to face difficulty, to face uncertainty or, or pain without being overcome by fear or being defeated or rather defeated from a chosen course of action. Courage suggests that you have the faculty, the capacity that you can face danger, you can stand under pressure, you can handle pain, and you're not afraid to confront the enemy. That's courage. Courage says that even though I'm being challenged, I will not be overcome. Even though I'm being tried, I will not surrender. Even though I might be weary and tired, I will still stand. That's courage. Courage says that, that I'm going to stand until my change comes. I'm going to fight the fight of faith. Courage says that God is going to make a way and though he slays me, yet will I trust him. But then when you add the prefix D-I-S to courage, the, the dis is a Latin term and it means to asunder or, or it means to reverse by force. It means to undo something. It, it suggests it is just the opposite. For instance, the word disability, disaffirm, disbar, disbelief, discontent, disheartened, dislike, disown. Again, the, the prefix dis means that, that it means to undo something. And so when you talk about discourage, discourage literally suggests that it means to undo your ability. To undo your ability to face danger, your ability to deal with difficulty. It, it suggests once again, it, it, it means to, to, to tear apart or to undo your ability to handle pain. And what happens when you're discouraged, you're now uh, engulfed in fear. 
engulfed in, in, in frailty because you're discouraged. And, and frankly, when you're discouraged, it's hard for you to hear a word from somebody because, because the wall is up now and, 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 and there's a fortress in your mind. It's called a stronghold. And even though you hear the word because you're discouraged, it don't get in. It don't get in. And so let me, let me talk a little deeper. Uh, Tony Evans says, when discouragement is, is, is unaddressed, it, it, it leads to depression. When depression is unaddressed, it leads to despair. When despair is unaddressed, it leads to a decision or a desire to want to die. Can I break it down for you? When discouragement is, is unaddressed, it leads to depression. Depression is sadness or unhappiness. And, and all of us have been in a place at some point where you feel or you felt unhappy about something. As a matter of fact, there have been times that it has been sustained unhappiness. It goes from day to day and, and from day to week and from week to month and from month to year. And before you know it, you're in a place of, of despair to the degree that you're unhappy all the time. You can't get no help on somebody. Amen. You, nothing makes you happy. Nothing cures you because you're an uh, uh, unhappy person. No makeup, no mascara, no new shoes, no clothes, no education because you're unhappy because you got discouraged and I can assure you as a man of God as a practitioner I can assure you there have been many days in my life where I walked around discouraged preaching and teaching and laying hands on people and prophesying yet discouraged amen singing the songs of Zion and yet in a place of discouragement because often people look at you they have no idea what's behind the veil they see the color of your hair they see the shade of your shoes they see your lips they see what you're driving they don't understand behind that fixture that posture is a person that's discouraged because you're going back to situations that you can't change, folk you can't change, prop you can't address, and you, you still come to church, but you're discouraged. Now you're depressed. And it took me a while to get to that reality that there have been times in my walk I've been depressed. Quoting scriptures and singing the songs of Zion, depressed. Amen. Come on, somebody. And folks look at you. Oh, not you. Yeah, me. Yeah, me. They look at you and say, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Say, neighbor, yeah, me. Say, yes, me. Yes, me. Amen. Amen. I know I sing the song. I know I'm a praise of worship. I know I do stuff in church. But understand behind what you see is a person that's barely holding on. Come on, somebody. A person that's barely enduring. And living sometime for somebody else. Holding on for your children. Holding on for other people. You, you're holding on. But the reality is that you're in a place of despair. Despair says to us, when the enemy comes, let me go back here. I don't want to miss this. I want to miss this, okay? Um, when, it's, when, it, when it leads to despair. So what's despair? When it's, what's despair? Despair is hopelessness. Hopelessness. You, when, when you hope for something, hope means a favorable expectation. You're expecting something down the road to work out for you. It, it, it means that I'm anticipating things turning around. But then when you are in a place of despair, twofold. Number one, 
It is a feeling of hopelessness, a profound feeling that there is no hope, that things are not going to change. That things are not going to turn around. And, and, and so you get into a place where you're a feeling of hopelessness. Number two, a cause of hopelessness. Somebody or something that makes somebody feel hopeless or exasperated. It is, it is, it is something you're looking at. Someone you live with. Someone that has your name. Someone you ride with. Somebody you birth. Someone you, you work with and, and when you see them, they, they, they regurgitate the hopelessness. And they, they bring back this feeling that things are not going to change. And what happens, you, you, you'll connect with somebody that produces a state of hopelessness in you. And you find yourself looking at people. And you ask yourself, why did I do it? You ask yourself, why did I marry him? Why did I marry her? Come on, I'm going to help you today. Amen. Amen. Why did I birth that child? Come on. Amen. I done paid tuition and, and I done paid, amen, expenses to get a good education and they end up on drugs. Come on. Amen. I put them in preschool, I mean pu- pu- public school and put them in, in the dance studio, all that stuff and they still go crazy. Come on. They still act out of character. And so you find yourself as a parent in a state of hopelessness. And when their name comes up on the cell phone and the picture comes on the cell phone, you begin to go into a place of depression because, amen, here he is is again what do he want now that whole section didn't say nothing to me and so it's 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 somebody it's somebody let me say something to you the enemy of our soul comes at a point when we're most discouraged and vulnerable the enemy of our soul comes at a point when we're most discouraged and vulnerable when you're vulnerable, you're weak. When you're vulnerable, you're susceptible. When you're vulnerable, you feel defenseless. You feel like that, that you're unprotected. You feel like there is no place to hide. When you're vulnerable, the devil comes in like a flood. He comes when you're down. He comes when you're confused. Paul said to keep Satan from getting the advantage over us, but we are not ignorant of his devices or schemes we we have to understand there's an enemy there's an enemy that's lurking there's an enemy that's seeking there's an enemy as a roaring lion waiting for you to get weak and fragile and take advantage of you he's waiting for you as a single mother and a single parent amen to look like you can't make it and some old joker come along i'll pay your gas bill i'll pay your lecture bill it's got to be god because how would he know i'll have a gas bill dude go back over here amen how would he even know how would she know i'm going through my flesh <laughs> can i talk to you how would how would she know and he know that my wife is not taking care of me come on somebody how would they know where i am y'all don't want the truth today why today you want to bring me coffee call a familiar spirit come on somebody because the devil knows he's checking you out he's assessing your movie he he knows what you like he knows what you don't like he'll send somebody amen he'll eavesdrop on your conversation and send somebody just when you're weak 
stuff you said you would never do. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all helped me today. Y'all were some places that you said you'd never be in. You said something you would never do. But then when you got weak, you gave up. You gave you compromised your integrity. You mean you gave up and you did you allowed your flesh to control you. And you asked yourself one day, how did I get here? How did I get here? How did I get here? You got discouraged. You lost your courage. The prophet lost his courage. Come on here. See, your title don't define who you are. You get no help there. Your title don't make you who you are. Your title has nothing to do with who you are. Who you are. Take your title away, baby. That's who you really are. It's not your title. It's not your degree. Come on here. It's not your money, not your position, not your prestige. Satan wants your integrity. He don't want folk to listen. He don't want people to hear your voice. He wants your integrity. He wants your character. Because when you don't have no character, you don't have nothing. Come on here. He wants your integrity. He wants you to be unstable where you can't make up your mind. You're like a tossing sea in the ocean. You're woven by every wind and doctrine. You can't be still long enough for God to help you because you're too weak and you've been used to running. You've been running all your life. Come on. Say, neighbor, stop running. Stop running. Stop running. Stop running, honey. Face your giants. Face your problem. Stop running. Come on here. God knows what the size of your feet and the height of your structure. He knows about your nappy head and your long toenails. He knows about you not having no eyelashes. Come on. He knows that your hair can't grow. He knows. Come on. He knows all that stuff about you. Why are you tripping? <laughs> I got to hurry up. Say, neighbor, no more excuses. Tell him, tell him, tell him, tell him, say, no more excuses. Tell him, say, take your finger and say, and say, no more excuses. No, don't you stop. You stop making excuses for what you didn't get, what you didn't have, where you didn't go to school. No more excuses. God knows about you. No more excuses. Get over who hurt you. Get over who mistreated you. Get over who left your name off the program. Get over. Amen. They didn't recognize you. Get over that stuff. Bible says then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up. Angel said, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jaw water. So he ate and drank and lay down. I read this text. I didn't see it right away. But when I read it again, I got a revelation. The Bible says that he said to the, to the prophet, the angel said to the prophet, God sent a messenger and said, get up and eat. Look what he says. And he looked around and there was no one in the room, no one around him. But guess what? The angel came to bring him, amen, something that would sustain him for the journey. 
Come on. You, you depend on other folk to help you. God said, I got an angel that's, amen. I'm going to send somebody, amen. They might not look like you. Sometimes you are entertaining angels unaware. Sometimes you're entertaining angels unaware. He sent an angel. And the angel took care of him. I don't know about you all, but I got an angel that has assigned, been assigned to my life. I got an angel that's assigned to my destiny. Amen. Yes, I do have the Holy Ghost, but God, every person in here today, you have an angel assigned in your life. Every person, let me say something. Every person in here today, you have an angel assigned to your life. Why are you not using your angel? If Jesus had angels, don't we have angels? Even Christ had angels. Why are you not using your angels? Come on here. You got a warring angel by the name of Michael. If you call him, he'll fight for you. Come on here. If you call him, God send Michael to come and fight for me. Send Gabriel with a message to tell me what's your next move, Jesus. Then the angel of the Lord came and again and touched him and said, get up and eat some food or the journey ahead will be too much for you. Get up and eat. Get up and start depending upon your strength. Get up and eat because the word that I'm giving you is the word that's going to sustain you. Get up and open up your heart and your mind for a word from the Lord. Get up from your place, your stupor, your place of brokenness, your place of despair. Get up from your discouraged state. Get up and shake yourself off. Come out of the cave of Abdullah and recognize you're around folk that ain't going nowhere. Recognize you, you're around folk that want what you want. Recognize the folk around you. They don't see what you see. They don't have your faith. You hanging out with drunks, you ain't even no drunkard. <laughs> Why are you hanging out with drunkards? You're not a drunkard. He says, get up. Say, neighbor, tell him, get up. Get up. Amen. (laughs) No, 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 wait. Don't be cute. This is warfare. I need you to take your finger and prophesy. Say, get up. Get up. Tell him. With authority. With authority. With authority. Say, get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Don't you stay there. Don't you die there. Don't you quit. Get up. Don't you quit. Hey, get, get up. Say, neighbor, don't you make me slap you and wake you up. You better wake up yourself and get up. And this is the deal breaker right here. I'm closing. This is the deal breaker. The Bible says faith without works is dead. You're not stuck where you are currently as a result of God. You are there because you don't want to work. You want to be a non-participant delivered person. You want to be a non-engaging, non-functional Christian. You want the miracle. You want the manna. 
you want the breakthrough, you want the healing, you want the financial deliverance, but you don't want to participate. Come on here. And you, and you thought you could shout and dance your way to deliverance, honey. You, you can shout and dance all you want to until you engage intellectually and spiritually and participate with a sense of urgency. You ain't going nowhere. A year from now, two years from now, you'll be stuck in the same place blaming the devil, blaming the devil. It ain't the devil, baby. It's called laziness. Okay, let me break it down for you. So, so there, 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 Tony Evans outlines uh, five daily devotions. And he says, ask God to speak to you through his word. So, so then what is a devotion? It, a devotion in a, in a classical sense, uh, it, it means to uh, be attached to something or someone, to be fond of something when you're when a devotional perspective. It means you have an affection, a uh, commitment, an adoration. You adore something. Uh, it means that, uh, in this case here, you, you adore God. You're committed to God. And so he gives us five um, daily devotions. The first one, I'll be very quickly. Number one, the first day he says, uh, therefore, encourage one another and build up each other, just as, in fact, you are doing. He says, therefore... Now, if you read verses 1 through 10, it talks about the end time and, and those who are asleep and the return of Jesus. But, uh, and so he builds um, uh, that premise and he takes that premise and he says, and then he says, therefore, encourage one another and build up each other. Build each other up just as in fact. You know, he says, so you, you can't encourage somebody and tear them down at the same time. Okay, let me get myself off. You... If you're going to encourage somebody, don't tear them down. Because you can't encourage me tearing me down. I ain't getting no help with that one. <laughs> so, 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 so if, if I'm going to uh, understand, uh, hear encouragement, then you got to build folk up. You ever notice that when, when it's time to tear some, something down, they get the most uneducated, the most unlearned, the most un, in, in, in folk that that don't know what they do. They, they get them because they don't, they don't have to read no blueprints. They don't have to deal with no designs. They get no help with that one. Because it doesn't take any intellectual savvy to tear down something. You know what I'm saying? And, and, but so they get people that don't, you know, don't, don't, don't have, you know, most cases, in most cases, they, they can't read blueprints. But when it comes to build something up, they get people who have studied, who are learned individuals. Come on, somebody. So if you're going to encourage somebody, then don't tear them down at the same time. You spend more time tearing him down, her down, than building him up. If you're going to encourage your children, then don't tear your, your children down. I got one that's right on that. I'm almost done. If you go, he might not be what you want to be, and she might not be what you want her to be. But I guarantee encouragement goes a long way, baby. If you can tell him, baby, listen, you might be the smartest guy in the world in the class, honey, but baby, mama still loves you, glory. Amen. Put your best foot forward. Day two. Now we ask you, brothers, respect those who work hard among you who are over you in the Lord and admonish you. He says, respect those individuals that, who work hard, who are over you in the Lord. Respect. You know, people sometimes, I'm a very nice and cordial and down-to-earth guy, but sometimes they misconstrue my niceness with weakness. 
and they, and sometimes they see me as their boy. I'm not your boy. <laughs> let, let me help you understand. I'm, I'm, I'm the leader over your soul. Come. So I got to stand for God one day. And so people, sometimes people take your commonality uh, with just casualness. Come on, y'all. Come on. See, I, I respect authority, and, and I never compromise that. I, I recognize that Bishop Ellis comes to town. Whatever he says, it's going to be done. You follow me? As a presiding bishop, as my bishop. So when Bishop Ellis tells me to do something, it's not a matter of if or when. It's not a matter of, uh, no, wait, no, it's done. Why? Because you respect authority. When you respect authority, you submit to authority. I get no help with them. Y'all got quiet right there. And, and here's the, 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 the real litmus test of your sonship and your daughtership is your ability to take correction. If you cannot take correction, you're not a son. You're not a daughter. Come on. The natural side that is. Your children who cannot take correction, they're biologically connected to you, but they're not submitted to you. Okay, y'all didn't like that one. Okay. Day three. <laughs> Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. So you, you hold them in, in regard because of what the work they do. All right. Now, therefore, we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, who are doing nothing. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. He says, uh, Paul says, warn those who are idle, those who are doing nothing. Doing nothing. Just hanging out. He says, encourage the timid. Help the weak. Patient with everyone. It's, it's better to build people up than to tear them down. And, and even though they might not be on your level, they might not have gone to school like you've gone to school. Say amen, somebody. They don't have what you have, but he says, encourage them. Encourage them. Encourage them. Because you never know what folk are going through. When people finally get to church and they've been going through stuff, they just, they, listen, they just, they, they own life support right now. They're breathing and they own it. They own it. They just barely holding on. Amen. And so when they finally get to church, amen, love them, hold them, be nice, speak to them, let them know it's going to be all right. You see, when you got discerning spirit, God will help you discern people's spirit and you will treat people and handle people properly because you recognize that everybody in this place is a child of God. Day five, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. But always try to be kind to each other and to everyone. He says, Paul says, make sure nobody, nobody, he says, nobody. Pay. You can't go through life paying people back. You go through life trying to fight all your battles. Come on, saints. I'm almost done. You got to get them back. Oh, no. I can't let her get away with that. Oh, no. He can't. No, dog. He got to pay. It leads to write-ups. It leads to losing your job. It leads to your reputation being tainted. And then people call the previous job and they ask them about your, your work history. And the first thing they say when they call is that he has a bad attitude. She has a bad attitude. You can't go through life fighting people. And it's supernatural, frankly. I don't know about you, but stand on your feet. There have been times I want.